Welcome to the Boardroom Podcast, presented by the Political Action Committee, People for a Better DeSoto County, with your hosts, Chad and Ben. We hope to give you an informative look into local government by having a healthy discussion about city issues, interview a few friends, and have a little fun. Hello, guys. Welcome again to an episode of the Boardroom Podcast by Shelby Road Productions here in the uh, Cafe Place building in the heart of Ward 4. I'm uh, Ward 4 Alderman Chad Wicker. I'm Ward 6 Alderman Ben Piper. So, Ben, how you been? You, you know, you skipped out on us last week, or last me, or last show. What's going on? Every now and then, uh, those of us in the in the mostly in the private sector have to work from time to time. Oh, shots fired! <laughs> shots fired! Gosh, I'm just saying, you don't you don't come at the don't come at me. Don't if you don't come at me, don't miss. Yeah, I got you. Know? you. I got you. <laughs> well, so we got it. We had a full meeting this this past Tuesday, uh, and it was a, a fairly long meeting. Um, anybody that attended uh, had about two and a half hours. So it was about like a planning meeting, a planning commission meeting. It was. It was fairly lengthy. <laughs> but uh, before we get to that, our, our guest today will be Parks and Recreation Director Jared Barkley. Uh, he'll be joining us just to discuss kind of the state of things, a little bit of the uh, you know state of the department, uh, sort of interview to tell us what's been going on with some of the programs, what new programs we have and what changes folks can expect to some of the facilities uh, within parks and recreation. So it's going to be a great interview. So uh, stay tuned for that. But we'll dive into this Tuesday meeting. And yeah, so we we were there, uh, I guess, about two and a half hours, Ben, I think is what it was. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'll I'll go through the agenda real quick. Wasn't, uh, you know, the the bulk of a few items that really yeah, well, I guess in the consent agenda, the big thing I think we want to talk about just briefly is um, uh, our relationship with uh, uh, the Clearwater Group as a lobbyist uh, for the county and all the cities to uh, lobby the state legislator and the executive mm-hmm. branch of governor for uh, expansion of I-55 and some of those mm-hmm. other infrastructure projects that we're pushing. That's the driving to uh, driving to Soto.org, um, uh project that we're trying to do to get um, I think we've been promised $125 million for uh, the first phase of that project, but we only got funded $25 million, So, I'm assuming it's going to be, uh, based on that, you're, you can assume it's going to be $25 million per year for the next you know, five years or whatever uh, what, to what satisfy ex- that. Yeah, but. well, I think what was explained to me is they're, they're <clears throat> hoping the $25 million can kind of be seed money for some from, from federal money coming down. So um, okay. Okay. to help pay some of that cost. but. You know, again, that that thing is in dire need. I mean, just um, just a number of accidents and, and the issue with that road. I mean, especially Hernando's exit. We we hear about that all the time. Needs to be redone. And anybody that has to get, you know, if if you're like me and you have to, you know, do some business in, uh, you know, north of Hernando, you have to take 55 northbound and 55 southbound during the day. It can be a log jam from time to time because there's just the, the total traffic volume is just too great for what that interstate uh, is doing. Plus, you have a number of, you know, not necessarily in Hernando, we don't have really a whole lot of warehouses, but other communities north of us do have a lot of warehouses. It means truck traffic. It just means additional volume that you know was not uh, that that hasn't been you know reconciled and dealt with. So yeah, well, Desoto County still is, is essentially a bedroom community, so a lot right. of people are commuting back and forth to Memphis, mm-hmm. and uh, that that interstate is just it needs to be expanded. And and uh, we're working with our state leaders and I guess some of the federal people to help uh, get that done. And that's that's why we're hiring this lobbyist. All that's five right. all five of the cities in the county are going in and paying uh, a proportional fee based on their population to. Help help get it done. So that's right. That's right. Uh, other than that, in the in the consent agenda, really was nothing of of too importance that we needed to discuss. I don't think pretty straightforward. A lot of lot of <clears throat> lot of a lot of, of of our fire department guys going to different different training and things. So uh, personnel docket was real short. Uh, donation docket was real short. And I guess the first big issue we need to talk about is the rezoning. Uh, this was the Magnolia Village Pud there up off of uh, Memphis Street. Uh, just mm-hmm. north of Laurelwood and uh, Arbor Point, I think is the name of that neighborhood there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is in Ward 1, which is, is uh, Natalie Lynch's ward. So you want to talk about that a little bit? I think the developer yeah, the, on this one is... Uh, uh, the owner's Bryant Cashin. Yeah, Brian Cashin. And then uh, Bob Barber was the, you know, the architect on that uh, deal. But um, And he's done, you know, Bob's done a, a lot of uh, developments across DeSoto County. But it's about 20... 
um, you know, single family townhomes uh, in this in this development, but it's uh, something called an age targeted community. So what that means is that, that it's not age restricted to where you have to be a certain age or older. Um, it's age targeted in that the the marketing and kind of the appeal will be towards uh, people that are you know fifty five and older. Um, you know, it provides, you know, a kind of a little walkable little cove there. Small um, yards, things like that. Yeah, small yards, less to take care of. Uh, and then they'll have a – there's a, a, a creek that runs there behind it. Um, so you, you have kind of a, a water feature there at the very front of the development as well. Um, so that'll be one that, uh, you know, I think – it had a – I think it was a six-to-one vote. I know uh, Alderman yeah. Lynch was not uh, – in. Did not vote for it, but everybody else. Yeah, I think from listening to the meeting, I haven't talked to her about it, but I think she had, had indicated some some of her uh, constituents there in Laurelwood had some concerns about drainage there, which is yeah. something that happens all over Hernando. So I can certainly understand that. And it and in regards to the drainage, because I think we hear hear that that's probably one of the most uh, other than potholes. <laughs> I think drainage is number two in terms of what people call us about. And that is why this this board, and we've mentioned it before, that's why this board um, hired a full-time attorney uh, to, to look at stormwater and drainage concerns throughout the city. Engineer. 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 What did I say? Attorney. We don't need any more attorneys. We're good on attorneys. Uh, yeah, full-time full time engineer, excuse me, uh, to, to look at those concerns uh, on a daily basis. And, um, you and know, yeah, didn't y'all, we formed a committee, I think. Are you part of that committee? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's and it's something where the, the board currently is looking at the, you know, what is required of developers to build here. Um, you know, when there are special circumstances, when there's lots that go undeveloped for a long period of time, um, or should they have you know do they need do they need special attention to make sure that they're um that they don't cause any kind of disruption for existing neighbors or you know long time neighbors of empty lots that sort of thing we've seen that happen um as well but this is this development outside of all that it seems like they're going to uh they're they're going to do a good job you know and and build the right thing and and uh take care of everything there so they had a stormwater plan none of it was in the uh, you know we asked about the flood plain it's not in the floodplain it's not in the flood map uh based on the county map so i asked about the good. one entrance um that's for right. fire trucks and he told me that they were going to uh, sprinkler all the all the uh yeah they're sprinkling yeah they're sprinkling the building that so. shouldn't be a concern be so. uh anyway we that that was uh i think approved was it six to one ben yep, so uh, so one. i guess if if mr cashin wants to start building he can um and the next thing that was another rezoning this was the um hilltop up there, mm -hmm. I think across from Christopher Lane by Summit mm -hmm. Church there, there they want to rezone that uh, property uh, to M1 uh, to put in a automo automobile or automotive okay. repair shop. Body um, shop. Body kind shop. Of kind of, yeah. I, I know the family there. They, they, they do great business. That Their current location is just across the state line on the uh, highway, or highway 51, so they're moving, uh, relocating to um, DeSoto County to Hernando, so that would be great. They actually live in Nesbitt there, um, so yeah, it looked like a really nice building just based on the you know the preliminary drawings that we see. So what we normally see, what people wonder what's in our packet. Uh, so AERC was the architect on that one. So we actually had preliminary drawings of what the building will look like, um, and so we can kind of you know discern from there. This is the information they're submitting. This is the type of business they're wanting to put in there. This is what it's going to look like. So sometimes there are we do get that level of information. Sometimes we don't. Uh, it's not something that's necessarily required to say uh, or, or to submit uh, a drawing of what the what the building will potentially look like. Um, that that is something that uh, you know some applicants do go the extra mile and say this is what we're this is what we're planning on. So Alderman can get a better idea of it. But anytime you get that, it's always it it does make your you know it just gives you more information so you can make a decision. And I think we got to share that the process. So essentially, we get uh, the agenda and the packet with the information on Friday afternoons from the mayor. The mayor sets the agenda, uh, and the police department usually drops it off, or one of us goes by and picks it up from City Hall. Uh, and then the meeting is the following Tuesday. So we really only have about I guess three, four days to really mm -hmm. look at the information and, and you know make some calls, ask some questions. Um, so that that's what we try to do, and I try to be. Uh, I'm very con cognizant of that and, and try to really take my time and look through it over the weekend. But and there's some and there's some documents in there that are, um, you know, that, that are definitely public documents that if anybody wanted to see them or what, I'm more happy to to share them. There's some in there that are, you know, personnel files and things like that that we wouldn't you know necessarily be a public document uh, that have people's resumes and personal yeah, information. Social security and that numbers, kind of things stuff. like yeah, that. We don't, that. We don't want to share that. We, but 
but generally most of the information that's in the packet would be like a public document that you could that you could check out and i'd be all for sharing them but yeah i think i think the city of south haven puts their put theirs online mm-hmm. and that's something i've encouraged over the over the years but i think the part of the issue is just having staff to scan those in and uh and, and so maybe one day we can get to that point. Yeah, we'll get there eventually. Uh, so let's talk about uh, probably was one of the two items that took the most time was the rezoning of a piece of property there at 111 Pleasant Hill Road right next to the Jimmy Gray mm-hmm. dealership. Ben, this is this is uh, your area. If you want to take the lead on this and, and talk a little bit about that, we actually voted a little different on this one. So Yeah, so uh, Cal Wilkins and uh, his I guess it has an investment group that is uh, looking to uh, move a business from one side of I-55 to another. So they needed to um, rezone this this uh, parcel of property from uh, agricultural residential to commercial two uh, C2 zoning. Uh, they made some concessions on this. It's a, it's a small uh, small equipment like farm equipment uh, that they sell and construction equipment um, that they sell. You may have seen it before if you're driving south on 55. Uh, you'll see it on your right side. There's a there's a sign that says you know call for more information. You know equipment for sale. Uh, that's that's kind of the business that you're ta- that we're talking about here. Yeah, bull, uh, he sells bulldozers and mm-hmm. things like that. Bobcats. Uh, he he gets them at auctions and then sells them. That's right. And actually, the city have, has purchased some equipment from him uh, before. I think he mentioned that mm-hmm. at maybe mm-hmm. a reduced price or something. I think that I think our pothole machine might have come from Wilkins Equipment. Right? I, I don't or know if it was a pothole uh, machine. But we or bought some, or something. We bought some type of machine that sucks the water up. Yeah, like a big right, vacuum right. deal, okay. yep. uh, and I yep. think we purchased that from from him uh, at a reduced cost. But uh, anyway, this this is what I call a good problem. Certainly, uh, the residents that live there uh, had some concerns and questions about uh, this project. Um, but we do have uh, that area. Nesbitt is growing. There's a school coming there. There's they just redid the gas station at 51 and, and Pleasant Hill. So. Uh, I think that area is changing a little bit, um, and so I think the, you know, we we what about, I guess about a month or so ago we we approved a um, development just south of of that uh, of there. What was that called? The Delta Landing, I that's think. That's right. That's right. There is there is some change in there, and that's that's why I was supportive of, of the rezoning. But um, you want to talk about why you were opposed to it? Yes, and so. It's really it really comes down to just the proximity of the homes. There. You know, I think some of the residents, uh, you know, re- reached out to me just about you know some noise concerns and not necessarily from that business, but just from you know how much how many uh, trees were going to be potentially cleared from the property and what that was going to mean for them in terms of uh, interstate you know traffic noise and that sort of thing. And so I certainly empathize with them on that. Um, and and really when when you're elected to these positions, uh, you're going to have to make a tough decision from time to time. Uh, where you know certainly we need more commercial properties in Hernando because that's what helps us uh, keep taxes low for for homeowners. Uh, but at the same time, you have uh, residents who elected you to be their voice uh, on the board, and 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 they want you to uh, to push against that and say this this may not be the best fit for this area. Um, I've certainly driven through Nesbitt Estates on many many occasions, and it is a very it's a rural area. The, the lots are very large. Um, and you do feel like you're in the, you know, in the country, you don't really feel like you're, you know, a stone's throw away from the interstate. So, you know, something that would potentially disrupt that, uh, certainly empathize with the residents there. And, and when you get, you know, when you get a, you know, a dozen or more phone calls about the same issue, asking for your support, you know, you, you, uh, you certainly want to do the best you can to kind of negotiate. Uh, and we were able to negotiate a 50 foot, uh, landscape buffer. And we asked for that, um, yeah, he he striked a lot of the uses too. Yeah, I mean, stri- he struck a lot of the uses. Yeah. Struck a lot of the uses. So it's not so going can't can't put a gas station there or a it, service center or anything like that. And that's another one of the concerns is that you know uh, if if that equipment company if they ever decided to move one day in the future, uh, you wouldn't necessarily want certain you know you know certain improper things to go there. I think like an aluminum can or cycling center or something like that is one of the uses that were struck from there. So uh, there were certainly some concessions made, but um, you know ultimately it just came down to you know the just trying to be a voice for the residents that are in my ward. Yeah, that's, that's certainly respectable. Um, I, I, I think at the end of the day, um, it, it fit the criteria, in my opinion. That's why I voted, I voted for it. Um, and I, I think part of the issue, too, is, is Nesbitt State, is, uh, Estates, excuse me, uh, is another piece of property or, or area of the, of the city that we annexed in. Uh, that was previously county when it was developed, and so there are probably acre and a half lots, and mm-hmm. 
you know, they, they don't have sewer. They're all on septic tanks. Mm-hmm. And, and I think they feel like the city hasn't lived up to their obligations since they've been annexed. And, and hopefully moving forward, um, I know we, we're committed to trying to get them sewer and things in the future. It's just it's a, it's a, it's a financial issue for us. And so hopefully we can move in that direction going forward. Yeah, I think the hope would be that as, you know, the, you've, there's some developments to the south of there, there's the high school coming in, uh, you know, as that area you know, has become a little bit more developed out, uh, that there will be opportunity to you know, pave streets, run sewer, uh, get more infrastructure to some of these areas that have been neglected for, you know, far too long. And that's one thing I, pro- I, I told people I would, I would work to do. And, um, you know, we're, we're slowly but surely getting there. We're slowly but surely doing it. All right, so the uh, that one passed, I think, 5-2, uh, uh, Ben. So we'll move on to the next item, yep. uh, which was a, set, a subdivision uh, <clears throat> request. Uh, this is the Grove Park Heights uh, revision, which is that piece of property just uh, that Lakes of Cedar Grove, or what they yeah. call that other part of it. Yeah. Um, ne- next to, uh, I think it's... Uh, Austin Realty. Yeah, Austin right Realty there. there. So he's across from the dentist. He, he, he essentially was changing some of the... The property lines to I think he he's making one a little a little bigger and making some of them the rest of them a little smaller. So that was a pretty quick vote that passed unanimously. Won't spend a lot of time on that. Uh, the next item in the planning agenda uh, was um, the uh, final plat approval for that Wil- Wilkinson's subdivision that we uh, you know, re- rezoned earlier. Yeah, there's two parcels of land there, and it basically yeah. just took those two parcels and created one new parcel so it was all you know all one piece there so it's about eight acres of land altogether. Yeah. and then then the next item um was probably another probably spent another 30 45 minutes on that mm-hmm. was the uh the, the decision to allow a property owner to tear down or demolish uh, that the residents uh what's the address here 2550 25. west south street which is the uh the ware family there family home uh, just, mm-hmm. just I guess it would be just across the street from the administration building. I think just passed, and kind of, kind of right behind the, uh, the uh, is that the Norwood building? Is yeah, I think it? so. Kinda yeah, yeah. We area? had some law offices there. Um, is that bar- the Mur- Michael yeah, Lee's Murphy, barbershops Murphy right there? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just, just past there. They, they, um, uh, I think they've had that. From my understanding, they've owned that piece of property since the early '90s. I mm-hmm. think the mother bought it, and it's kind of fell into disrepair over the years. And they were like to uh, the mother has passed away and, and gave it to her her children, and they uh, would like to tear it down to um, build a uh, new home there. And the real the, the the point of contention here, I think, was that the the historic preservation Com- uh, commission approved uh, them the ability to demolish the home and build a new one. And there was some question as to how old the home was. There was some some documentation that said there was some kind of structure there uh, in the early 1900s, maybe late 1800s, uh, based on a Sanborn fire insurance map. You know, a lot of this stuff. I didn't know what a Sanborn map was, but I, I, I know what it is now. Um, you can you can go check it out yeah. and see where you know see where buildings existed in Hernando in 1886. I guess we probably need to mention the reason why this house you have to get permission to do that is because it's in the historic, it's in the historic district of Hernando. District. Um, so that commission is, is is made up of folks who care deeply about the her, the history of Hernando and have done research and all that they, they do all these things to to understand the historical significance of the buildings and that and that kind of thing. Um, the board of aldermen, the reason we were involved with it was because a resident appealed the decision of the historic preservation commission. So that's kind of how we were. Uh, how this was brought in front of the board of aldermen um we and we asked those questions as well because it seemed like it was there's been situations where we've <clears throat> had to order the d- demolition of a house but usually it's because of like public safety public nuisance or it's something it's a public yeah. nu- the house is fall you know literally falling in um you know with, with this one I, I think that you, you could look from the outside and think that the house looks just fine uh from the outside but i think there's some plumbing issues electrical issues there's some structural issues that you know you just you can't see from the outside um you know they claimed that it was I think going to be you know two hundred thousand dollars plus in repairs to get it, um, you know to get to get the house up to code and it was just uh, you know not not their want and it really came down to um, you know to for me at least when I was making the decision that this is a family that's lived there for over thirty years that's the most recent history of the home um, and and it was uh, you know hadn't exchanged hands or anything like that uh, you know it's a it's a family that's lived you know in this community for a for a long time and you know if that's their there won't. I'm not sure uh, what we can do as as public officials, as government officials, to not allow that, especially when the commission that's put in place 
to protect, preserve history, approved it, it's 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 a difficult decision to uh, to, to say no, you can't do this with the property that you own and, and with property that your family's owned for over three decades. Definitely, you know, to me, I don't I didn't feel it was proper for the for a government entity to do that. So that's why I voted for them to uh, to, to do what they wanted to do. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I voted it uh, well, um, but I think <clears throat> importantly, um, you know, this this piece of property was at one time zoned commercial, and and they came back and and had it rezoned residential. Um, so they could have easily, mm-hmm. you know, tried to build a shopping center or a law office there. That's right. And and they want to make that their home. They want they want to live there. They've the family has mm-hmm. had had been there for thirty years, so they're gonna, uh, you know, at some point, I guess, demolish the house since we gave permission to do it. Um, and build a nice home there that, that's mm-hmm. going to be there for un, hopefully probably another 30, 40, 50 years. So. And to give you some background on myself, I know, you, Chad, you probably don't know this, but the first house I grew up in was built uh, in the late 1800s. You had dirt floors? Uh, uh, no, no you dirt walked, floors. You walked uphill both had, ways of yeah, school? It had the crawl space <laughs> underneath with the dirt floor uh, under, in the crawl space and all that. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a but it was it was a house that was in our family for for decades, and um, it was built in the late 1800s, uh, and, and once occupied by the Secretary of State of the State of Georgia. Uh, strangely enough, so uh, it had a view of Stone Mountain, um, which is okay. one of the largest you know uh, granite mountains, and um, there in the state of Georgia. But uh, it was an old historic home, and you know it got. On cold nights, that ha- my room <laughs> got really really cold because you had the wavy windows yeah. and like that. It just it, Older homes are harder to heat and cool like sure, that. Sure. The HVAC stuff came in later. The the electrical came in later. The plumbing was, you know, a challenge from time to time. And, and you know, I saw my parents kind of battle that for, you know, years and, and deal with it. It's, it's part of the battle of older homes is they are much more expensive to, you know, keep up. Uh, and so <clears throat> we certainly want to be able to, you know, to, to hold on to homes like that uh, where we can in Hernando. Because I think there's been some that have been lost over yeah, the I years. I was going to make and, that point. That I think this is why yeah. it's such a point of contention. I think in the uh, over the years, there's been some houses that has fell into disrepair and been mm-hmm. torn down that uh, maybe could have been saved. I, I think the, even at the meeting, I think one of the, one of the speakers mentioned uh, where it used to be Big Star, but now the um, right um, hardware store is mm-hmm. and, and we're bank. Our, Cand- our Cadence Bank is now located there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a house there at one time. So uh, I think that's the kind of issue is when we, when, we, when we tear something down like that, we're losing some of our uh, history in the city that I think so many people love. Our downtown square is, is iconic and, and photographs that people go up there and take the prom pictures there and things. Yeah. So I think that's part of, uh, of the charm of Hernando. And we certainly, I, I mean, I, I can only speak for myself, but I think I think the board all feels this. We don't want to lose that, that part of a piece of Hernando. So that's why this decision was so difficult. But at the end, I, don't, I just don't think it's government's role to uh, tell somebody what, what to do with their personal property. And one of the one of the ways, like I guess the proof in the pudding or whatever that we that we're trying to preserve some of Hernandez history is when uh, you know with some of the or, one of the ordinances that we passed. I mean, with the with the medical marijuana, one of the one of the ordinances that we passed was uh, to kind of uh, keep those facilities uh, away from the 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 square. Um, so in, anything within 500 feet of uh, the courthouse square can cannot be one of those you know medical marijuana. Um, you know, dispensaries or uh, facilities or whatever. And it's mainly just to to kind of preserve that a boutique, you know, um, restaurant, you know, kind of kind of the family, you know, the family friendly, whatever, you, however you want to say it, uh, that you have like the, the the old school shops, you know, the old, you know, just kind of an old fashioned square. It was, you know, that was kind of the intent of that. So we are trying to, t- to take steps to, um, you know, preserve the square, preserve, you know, some of the, the historic natures of uh, of Hernando. And there's and there's businesses that have bought older homes. Um, in Hernando, and they've you know they've got the, those houses up up to snuff, and yeah. you know operate out of them. So, all right, I think we we talked about that enough, I guess. Yeah, that was a, that was a good, that was a long that was a long conversation uh, for sure. But yeah. and, and and there was people passionate about both sides. That was, that's what made that uh, such a difficult decision. Um, after that, uh, we went into uh, some some subdivision regulations amendment where we you know a couple of I guess about three or four meetings ago we approved. Um, uh, a sign design for the city, of, uh, you know, uh, I think it's a black sign, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, kind of decorative sign. Uh, we put that into our subdivision regulation. So now any 
new subdivision built, we'll have to put those signs up. Um, so they I think it's a good step forward. So Heritage Cove already got one. That's looks right. Good looks good. Ward six. Did you bribe somebody to get that? I did not. I'm gonna talk to Lee about this. I put I put that sign request in weeks ago, and it just happened to be the first one. I just got yeah. lucky. So. And then we also had uh, we discussed the polling locations. Uh, That's for, right for a future uh, 2025 election. So uh, right now you go to the three fire stations in town, uh, but we are looking to to potentially move those. Um, you know, because of one space concerns. Uh, secondly, there's some traffic concerns. There's also just public safety concerns around fire trucks being able to get in and out. Uh, the only the only thing that we really have kind of centered in on so far is that wards one and two will be moved from uh, the fire station number one to the Gale Center, and that there will be a, at least there will be two wards that will vote at uh, Colonial Hills Church there on Monteith Avenue. Uh, we haven't uh, decided which two wards it'll be. I, I propose the idea of having wards five and six vote there. Because uh, right. that, that's, you know, geographically makes sense, uh, but still looking for, uh, you know, a third polling location. So right. some of the churches in the area we're going to try to talk to and see what we can. Yeah, I think the mayor is going to reach out. And, you know, currently, I think, uh, was it Ward 4 and 6, we voted at the, uh, the fire station on 51. And this mm -hmm. last time, it was very difficult getting in out of there. There was a lot of close calls with accidents. So I think when we were out there during election day, we said, we got to we got to get this thing moved next time. So It was it was and, you know. Highway 51, I mean, speed limit's 55 miles an hour, so you're rolling along there. If you're not paying attention or you go to change the radio, uh, not knowing it's an election day, and then That's you look right. up and, oh, I mean, there's a you know long line of people trying to get in here. Uh, you know, definitely heard some brakes squealing that day. So hopefully we can get that figured out. Uh, but anybody that is uh, in the Hernando community, if you're a member of a church um, that that's in the area, your, your church may be, uh, especially if it doesn't have a preschool program or anything like that, they're probably going to be getting asked about, you know, the potential of their church being used for a polling location or, you know, any other any other kind of decent sized building that has some good parking. Uh, we will be looking for somebody to uh, to step up and and hopefully we'll be able to find a third polling location for the 2025 election. Um, outside of that, we uh, Mr. Bellflower talked a little bit about the, the Veterans Day banners he's put up. I think that's a great program. He's going to. It's been great. Yeah, essentially he's going to uh, start start phase two of that next year. I think he's going to uh, add some additional banners. Um, and then and lastly, we, we talked about uh, the city. A lot of people might know the city owns a 1941 fire truck that used to be in the parades and different things, but right now it doesn't run. So we're going to lease that to uh, Dr. Jason Coleman. He fixes those things up and does things with them. So he's, we're going to lease that to him for, I think, a dollar or $10 or something for 25 years. And he's going to actually pay out of his own pocket to have it fixed up and get it running again and then he's going to use it for different events throughout the city so that's one of those ones that uh you know we we instructed our city attorney to kind of just draw up a general contract on that and uh we'll take action on it on the next uh the next meeting but uh yeah dr coleman is uh, one of those folks if you don't if you don't know already he, he gives a lot of uh time and he, he puts a lot of sweat equity in uh to this community and and does some great things for our community uh include there's you know big fireworks shows and things like that at Wesley Meadows every year. Um, but yeah, it should be great. It, it, he does a, a great job restoring those vehicles. And I think it'll be a, you know, really nice asset for the community, a good way to market things as well. Just right before we close, Ben, I want to ask you, what is it, What is our ordinance about political signs? Uh, so we do have a sign ordinance. Are you, are you, are we talking about this? Well, I are keep, we seeing this, about this? keep seeing these huge signs in the back of trucks and stuff all over town. Is that legal? Well, so, the sign ordinance that we have does uh, have a special designation for political signs, and it's so it's my understanding that that is unconstitutional uh, to have any kind of uh, specific, uh, you know, whether it's the wording on the sign or whatever else that you're you're pointing out a specific part of it, um, you know, and and uh, more or less dictating what can and can't be on it. So um, that's my understanding on it. Uh, now that being said. Uh, it's generally been <clears throat> kind of applied that, you know, whether it's 60 days or 90 days out from the election, that's kind of when people put signs out. Um, they seem to be going out earlier this time around, about 120 days out from the county and uh, county and state elections. But, um, you know, it seems like everybody's kind of following the rules as far as, you know, where you're supposed to be putting them and that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, again, when it comes to any kind of sign ordinance, there's there's some unconstitutionality of it uh, that we have to address at some point or another. Um, our planning departments, I know, looking at that, Austin Cardozzi is looking at that to kind of revise that and review it. Sure. Okay. What else you got, man? 
Well, we've got our interview with uh, Jared Barkley coming up, so we're going to bring Jared Go JB, in here. baby. Oh, yep, yep. So he's going to tell us about uh, Chad's uh, Chad's baseball team that he's got going. The and, Red Sox are strong. Our, our soccer team. We got our Hot Shots uh, soccer team that I coach, and they uh, they had a big win uh, last night, so that was really exciting for them. Uh, but now we're going to uh, shift on over to our interview portion of the show, bring on Jared Barkley. And we're here with Jared Barkley, the director of Parson Recreation here in Hernando. Uh, we've worked with uh, Jared for, I guess, about a year and a half now, Chad. Uh, and Jared came to us from the city of Oxford. Uh, Jared, welcome into the Boardroom Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, Jared, when, when did you start with the city to help me remember? It's been about a mm-hmm. year yeah. and a half. Yeah, December 21. Okay, so Sorry about, about six started. months into our, our term mm-hmm. um, on the board and... Um, just talk about kind of what you do on a daily basis. What what does a park, park and Rex director for the city of Hernando do? Yeah, so we have uh, a staff of 10, including myself. So we've got a maintenance staff with uh, five total employees who run the routes on the parks, the athletic complexes, help with games, you know, during the weekend, um, baseball during the nights, weeknights. And then we have a, a programming staff. So Dolly Breakin is our program director, which includes special events, instructional programs, and also the Young at Heart senior program that she uh, administers. Michael Carson and Brittany Bowen are both sports directors, so they handle our youth and adult sports on that. And then Amanda Cherby is our uh, great receptionist. So work with uh, our team, you know, day in, day out. We, we cover a gamut of areas from, you know, taking care of uh, maintenance things to programming, design, development. So it uh, just uh, working together, see what we can do to provide the best products for our uh, citizens. I think most people know about Conger Park. Um, but talk about some of the other parks in the city. I think people don't realize how many how many different parks mm-hmm. areas we, we have in the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Conger's a great park, uh, fantastic playground, one of the best in the areas. We have Lee Summit Park over off Mackinville behind the Walmart. Um, it's got a nice acre-and-a-half pond. People forget about the track on that park. That's got a good good, tra- yeah. good walking and running track. Good walking track, um, especially when we get into the summer months. It stays pretty shaded, which is nice, but it offers some – challenging enough not too challenging hills to walk so um that's a popular one um then we have parkway cove which is off riley not far from the tunnel if y'all are familiar with that and the elementary school uh, that's what we'd call a pocket park for that neighborhood it's got a, a playground that is soon um going to be yeah i think we, we're re- renovating that all right or moving some equipment over there well we're getting new equipment yeah so we're going to take out what's there we're going to expand the playground and then install new equipment at that site so that's going to be a, a real needed improvement there and then we have let me think so we've got the skate park renaissance park which is in the process of getting upgraded that's right yep so we actually broke ground this week on phase two of that project which is made possible through a grant through the mississippi department of wildlife fisheries and parks it's an 80 20 match um, the group Constructing that is uh, Fifth Pocket Skate Parks out of Langhorn, Pennsylvania, and a uh, really great group of guys. Enjoyed getting to meet them earlier this week, and they're hard at it. That should be about a couple months, less than that, sort of. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of people don't know Ben used to be a semi-pro skateboarder. He used yeah, to do that. <laughs> I, I heard of that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. He's always got something up his sleeve. You that's, know. that's what they do in Georgia growing up. I literally have never been on a skateboard in my entire life. Really? I've not never, even fallen off one. Mm-mm, no, I just I just see people falling off of them, and I'm like, why would why would I get on one of these? Uh, you hadn't lived till you fall off a skateboard. Uh, I guess I, I, I'm gonna have to. I, I guess whenever phase two is done, yeah, we'll have uh, the, with, yeah the ribbon cutting, I'll get on a skateboard and fall off of it. That'll be like that can be one of the events planned there. Well, you got you got Renaissance Park, of course, with the dog park, skate right. park, the walking right. trail there. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it's a Bustolero Park, or how you say that? Uh, Bouchelon. Bouchelon Park, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's more of a green space over there off Green Tea. Church Park, yeah, of course, oh, yeah, um, is always popular. Great, great. Tennis courts. That's a good yep. spot. Uh, really nice playground pavilion there that the Young Women's Club sponsored that. Yeah. And then uh, the Kirkendall Fitness Park. 
oh, yeah. with the track and old football field. I was planning on going over there today before it rained, but uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to run today over there. Yeah. Drove by there last night around 6, and it was packed full of folks walking, having a good time. Yeah, well, and, and a lot of people may not know, we do have those lights there now. You can walk mm -hmm. at night, and it really looks good. We saw it last mm -hmm. night after the baseball game. We drove mm -hmm. through there, and my wife commented about how how it looked lit up and safe that's and, right. and, and really nice. So that's a I think energy put those in for us, and we yep. just pay the bill. So Yeah, yeah, but that, that's all of our park facilities there, and then, of course, the soccer complex. Oh, yeah. So we had a we had a good bit of work done at the soccer complex in the last year. Uh, for those of y'all who haven't been out there, we uh, the, the city paved and, and put in curb for I would say a little over half of the complex uh, to to get it striped out and to give people a place to park instead of just you know kind of on the gravel or pulling onto the grass or wherever. And we added a new parking space right there at the entrance. So if you haven't been out there to see it, it really it really kind of upgrades the facility. A good bit especially for parents that are that are taking their kids out there uh you know chad and i both uh have helped coach soccer and uh whether for good or for bad uh we, we're strong out there. 6u team we're out we're out there doing it i know um so tell us a little bit more about that the what other what others got what else is still needed or what's in the future for that complex out there yeah so lights are definitely mm -hmm. hopefully in the future for that complex um that will open us up to use more of that complex uh, weeknights, um, which would be a, a big programming help. And our, our program's growing. Uh, we This spring, we've got 518 total players registered, so 58 oh, wow. teams, uh, which is the most we've had since the spring of 2017. Oh, wow. Outside of that, our, we have a spring adult soccer program that Michael Carson also administers. And it's more than doubled in size since last spring. So we've got 85 participants this spring. And um, last spring we had 43. So, you know, programs. Pretty good size adult league. Yeah, really, really good. So that's a, that's a small-sided. It's not. When, uh, when does kickball season start? That's typically uh, early fall. That's a I pretty believe. popular. The adult kickball is pretty mm -hmm. popular. Yeah. So Michael administers that one as well. That's out at the uh, Civic Center fields. Yeah. So that's that's pretty popular itself so yeah um lights would definitely be on the wish list for soccer and so to give you all some insight on the on the lighting uh part of it there is one space that that's been lit for years and then there's three other separate areas that have uh, do not have lighting uh one of them is kind of behind where the concession stands are and it's our understanding there's been some conduit laid so there's a potential to get lighting uh put there uh sometime in the near future if we can find space in the budget uh but also the that space is one of the uh the best draining areas as well so while right now it's a it's one of the biggest fields out there i think the was it 14 u i think plays yeah, out 14 there. and 16 um it could be reconfigured for 6u and 8u or something like yeah. that you know with, the, with with some changes out there so and, and jared i think the biggest need is get that field right when you come into the left get those fields lit is, is that kind of well, be priority or it, does it matter yeah kind of like what ben said with the uh we could take advantage of that conduit already being there and and those fields are more or less a blank canvas so yes, yes. just because it's a u14 field now doesn't mean it has to be one for forever so we could work with the dimensions and layout kind of customize the, the field layout to fit our programming needs <clears throat> outside of soccer let's look at i know a lot of people get excited about baseball and i think uh that's one of the big baseball and softball um how, how are those programs coming along uh really good we're a couple weeks in uh chad's coaching here uh five you baby the uh, uh Fernando Red Sox, okay. That's right. And you were what, 4A offensive player of the decade or something? What were you telling me the other day? What was the I was, I was all district, all okay, district. in high school in baseball. All, all right, okay. I got there the patch go. on my Letterman jacket. I'll show it to you, all right? There I you believe you. I don't I'm, I don't know that patch you. onto your coaching it. shirt, too. Yes, I should. I should wear my Letterman jacket. I still fit, <laughs> okay? Still fits. There you go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So baseball's going good. Yes, baseball, softball, T-ball are all going well. Uh, 688 total players this spring, uh, most since 2019. So really good wow. numbers on that. Uh, Brittany Bowens, our administrator for those sports, and doing a really good job. This is her second spring being with us. Also, all, all those leagues, that's a lot of numbers. 688 is a lot of numbers. But when you break it down for each league, baseball, softball, T-ball, all those numbers are over 
um, they exceed the four year average. So trending, those are good numbers. And can you, t- I know, I know this, but maybe give information to our listeners about how com- competitive baseball has kind of skewed those numbers, especially when they get, you know, uh, 9, 10, 11, 12, they start playing competitive and don't play in the uh, city record league. Yeah. So the, uh, the numbers up to the, the 10 U age group are, are really pretty good numbers. Yeah. Um, and, and this isn't a Hernando thing. It's not a North Mississippi thing. It's a, it's a national thing. Once you start touching into the 12 U age group, uh, trend, the trend is participation just drops off and and that could be a result of just different interests, you know, maybe bands becoming, uh, getting, coming into their life with school at that point, or they've picked up, uh, you know, maybe another activity like gymnastics or tennis or something along those lines um, that kind of just moves them into a different direction. Yeah, I don't think, ba- you know, when I was younger, baseball was huge. Um, but nowadays it seems like baseball is not near as popular as it once was or for whatever reason. You know, I don't think a lot of people keep up Major yeah. League Baseball like they used to. And, you know, most people probably couldn't name 10 players that play Major League Baseball right. now. And soccer is a lot bigger, football, college football around mm-hmm. this area. So. But it seems like baseball and softball – Participation is growing, and it's because we're a growing city. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's yeah. what it comes yeah. down to. Is that we're, it seems like we're capturing the right share of kids, you know, to, that are interested in baseball. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's obviously. I mean, everybody knows that we've had a lot of talented uh, people come absolutely. from Soto County that have yeah. gone professional mm-hmm. and gone to the highest ranks of, you know, baseball and and gotten scholarships and all the stuff. So, and our, and our, our the city baseball program is affiliated with Dizzy Dean. It is baseball. That's right? correct. And the commissioner of Dizzy Dean Baseball lives in Hernando, or used to live oh, in Hernando. Really? Yeah, D- Danny Phillips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think I can see his. Yeah, there. Think there. <laughs> I can see his funeral home from the window from the, here, so. from, the, from the Shelby Road Productions Theater. That's right. Where, uh, the heart studio. The beating heart. The beating heart. Beating, of the hear city. that? That's right the, that's, that's that's Ward Four beat. That's right. What other uh, new programs do you guys have that have that have launched here in the in the last? Uh, um, Jerry, uh, I just remembered. Uh, oh. Is it too late to sign up for wiffle ball? Uh, so that I forgot all about keeps, that. Yeah. He keeps wanting to get us on a wiffle ball team. So, I don't so, know what the deal is here. <laughs> so that was an intern uh, program. We've had to uh, pivot on that. Oh man! So we didn't get any registrations for the oh. season. So we're looking at doing like a one day event. Okay. So well, more more information. Put us put us the team down. We're, I'm me, down. Me, I'm down for a one day event. Yeah, me, the season. Put, I didn't know put, if my arm put was us down. Out. I didn't yeah. know if my arm was going to hold up for a whole season. That's why I was kind of keep playing golf three or four times a week and not working. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> this guy—he's always got something going on here. I will tell you what, what other programs you got going on, Jared? You need to tell everybody about. Yeah, so um, we've got a couple of uh, special events down the pipe, but also um, some instructional programming that. Uh, Dolly works with to that's ongoing. So we've got tennis classes that have just started up. Uh, we've opened a new partnership with the DeSoto Arts Council to uh, host or facilitate a lot of their art classes. Uh, space was com- becoming an issue for them uh, in their uh, art council building. So in order to attract, be able to facilitate more students, we've uh, entered into an agreement with them for this year to use the Gale Center. For programming space, so uh, that's a really good partnership um, to work with Kylie and, and the DeSoto Arts Council. We also have sewing classes, and uh, I think we've got a crochet class for this summer. Mm. So we're trying to okay. expand our portfolio and, and, and with that instructional class roster and, and go a little bit beyond the sport type uh, programs. And as I mentioned, Dolly has a uh, runs our Young at Heart program for Hernando for senior citizens. So. A really popular event there has got, or program rather, um, exercise classes, social classes like knitting, mm-hmm. and uh, actually have a trip planned later this fall, um, getting back into that post-COVID, and they host a, a luncheon. Uh, There's but, some kind of kayaking thing coming up too, isn't it? Yeah, so it was supposed to be tomorrow, so we... we um, we, Tomorrow's a busy day. Yeah. This is April twenty second. Is tomorrow? Yeah, that's right. We're, we're recording this on a Friday, and there's man, there's probably twenty events going on in DeSoto County. Yeah, tomorrow. yeah. So we we've tried to expand a little bit more on our programming and, and get into some outdoor recreation opportunities. Uh, here in Hernando, we have such a great uh, resource around us with Arcabutla Lake, and, and not far from uh, other uh, great outdoor spaces. So want to. Just give families the tools in their toolbox to 
learn what's out there, experience it, and, and hopefully motivate them to get out there themselves. Uh, so we've done a couple of hikes um, with the rangers at Arcabella Lake that were yeah. real popular. And we were supposed to do a, a kayaking trip tomorrow, but that's since been rescheduled because of the cooler weather. Yeah to uh saturday may 6th so we have a couple spots left at in the nine o'clock session um as recording this and um those fill up we'll have an eleven thirty spot so uh, that's in partnership with ghost river rentals and, and those operators uh harry babb and his father actually live in hernando so okay. so happy to partner with them on that we, we got uh, several special events coming up <clears throat> and kind of trying to go chronologically uh, Monday, May 1st, we're offering a MLB pitch hit and run event. So that's uh, open to 7 to 14, right? 7 to 14, that's right. And that's ages as of November 15th, uh, 2023. So that's open to anybody, whether you participate in our league or not. What about a five year old? Uh, no, they would not. They would not make the cut. So, um, <laughs> uh, you could, it, it's a real neat program that MLB does. It, it's a progression program is that similar to the uh was it uh, pump passing kick yeah they do yeah. an nfl yeah. yeah so if you uh make i think it's top three or top four in your age group then you, you keep progress progressing up. yeah which would be either i think it may be a trip to a braves game or it could be cardinals oh, okay. here i'm not sure when we were in oxford we we did this and had a couple of kids progress to the next round which was at then turner field so um it's a really neat program. Doesn't cost anything. Uh, you don't even have to be playing in our league. Um, anybody, boys, girls, ages seven to fourteen, are welcome to come. Uh, information for that's on our website. It's a separate registration that's actually through MLB Pitch Hit and Run. So even if you just Google MLB Pitch Hit and Run and put in three eight six three two, you'll find our our program and you can register for it then and the city website's uh city of hernando.org that's is right. That right yeah yeah city of hernando.org to toggle over to departments and parks and rec and you'll you'll find everything you need there and then following that on its heels is saturday may 13th we've got a fishing rodeo at lee summit park okay which we right. just mentioned so you get to keep the fish uh yes you do yeah oh man so this is okay. in partnership with MDWFP, uh, Fish and Wildlife, and they will stock the pond Okay. Um, several days before. So just a note on that, we'll have to close the pond about a week or so prior to that. So be looking for information on when that is closed, just so all the fish that they have. That's a pretty nice lake there. Yeah. Um, people, people never, mm -hmm. I think people forget about that lake. Yeah. yeah. Or I guess pond, I guess. Yeah, I take my kids out there. They like throw bread. And, yeah, well, you're, clo you, you're, you're close. You live close there. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it does. I mean, I don't, I don't know what they'll be stocking it with. I'm assuming like catfish yeah, or something be, like that, crappie or something. But yeah, um, yeah that would be fun. That'd be yeah. fun. I might, yeah, look so, at that one. So that's Saturday, uh, May 13th. That, that's free. Registration starts at 8 o'clock that morning. So okay. there is no pre-registration. You've got to register. Just show up with your site. fishing pole and register. Yeah, bring all your <laughs> gear, all your tackle. Again, more information on our website and Facebook on that. And just a note about that pond we've been talking about is uh, it's a community. Uh, it's part of the Community Fishing Assistance Program through MDWFP. So their biologists actually come about once or twice a year. They'll do a fish survey, see how many fish are in the pond. They'll, they'll help us on how we can better manage it. Um, what's the water quality looking like? So it, it's... It's a good partnership with the state um, to keep that pond healthy and, and keep the fish uh, stocked. I want, I want somebody yeah. to reel in just like a 20-pound a carp or something. <laughs> That's just, good eating right there. It's just been, it's just been <laughs> living at the bottom of the lake for like 30 years just yeah. hanging well, there's, out. There's a bunch of turtles there, ducks. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a nice spot. And then we've got a uh, 3v3 live soccer tournament uh, Saturday, July 15th at the Hernando Soccer Complex. So, again, information on our website about this and on our Facebook page. It's a four-game minimum. It's open to ages five to adult. So be a good one-day event out there at the soccer complex. So if y'all have got your schedules open, y'all can yeah, get, get us a team chat, going. Yeah, well, team. There you go. That would be, that'd be rough. Huh? That would be rough. <laughs> I don't know if I can get up down the field uh, anymore. Jared, I, aren't um, doing a soccer camp too i think this summer sometime yes so uh lobo's rush soccer camp's gonna be doing one in june um so they'll be yeah, having try to get my son in there yeah. 
yeah, so that's open to everybody in the community, not just if those who participate in their soccer club. So uh, it's be a, it'll be a one-week camp uh, early to mid-June. I, the, yeah, I can't, can't remember, remember the date. date right now. Looking forward to that. And, and then um, I want to give a shout-out to the friends of Hernando Sports and the uh, Foundation for Hernando Parks and Recreation. They got a couple events here in the future that that benefits the park program um they're doing a back to the 90s bash it's a dance that makes me feel old man. yeah <laughs> um it's a dance on saturday may 6th at 7 p.m it'll be at the national guard armory on, on mccracken and uh, they've got a great facebook page there um friends of hernando sports so you just type that into facebook and you'll find it uh information tickets are on that site and they're essentially the fundraising arm for the for That's our, right. our, our baseball program and other 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 soccer program. That's right. Forth. Yeah, yeah. So they're, that that account is housed under the uh, community community foundation, foundation Northwest Mississippi. So, and, and then they're also hosting a uh, rec league baseball and softball tournament open to ages five U and fourteen U. That'll be May sixteenth through the nineteenth. So um, there is an entry fee for that, uh, sixty bucks per team. If you're in Desoto County. 120 per team if you're outside the county. And again, that information can be found on their Facebook page yeah. too. Red Sox are playing in that. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Those should be some good. Uh, yeah, good we're, I think we're going to be out of town that the week of the 90s uh, yeah. deal. So. Mm-hmm. There should be some good fundraising opportunities though for that group, and um, I know they—it's it, a lot of work. There's yeah. A, well, I think they're currently running the concession stands for us at the soccer right. and baseball fields, yep. and I think they sold some banners. I've seen different banners on the field. That's right. Some uh, field sponsorships. Right. Right. It gives at least a little bit of um, it, it should generate a little bit of fundraising revenue so they can do they can potentially take on little projects and and do things that'll that'll hopefully raise the profile of some of the parks. And we certainly appreciate all the volunteers that do it because they don't the, the folks that are out there working those concession stands, they are just all volunteers are out of there because they, you know, have a passion for, you know, improving parks and recreation. Well, in Hernando. Ho- so hopefully soon that. we can we can purchase those those fields and start making some serious improvements to them. That has been uh, something that that has been uh, that, that's been discussed is buying the, the the Civic Center ball fields out there. Um, and one thing people to have to know about that is that that's actually out in the county. Um, it's not that's not within the city limits. So there would be um, some things we would have to do from the board's point of view to you know have that have that land potentially annexed in and um then brought up to city you know brought up to city standards uh for subdivision regulations so there would definitely be some work there to be to be done and you know we'll tell you this so jared's been with it been with the city for about a year and a half and he has been he's taken on a lot there's been a lot going on um in the first 18 months a lot of new programs a lot of increased uh participation but uh tell us a little bit more about it so just that's all the parks and rec stuff. So okay. you're back. So yeah, you're let's talk about you, man. Let's, okay. Your back. Your background. You know how you how you ended up even getting into all this. Mm-hmm. Uh, from you know what what was uh, the driving factor there to get you involved with parks and rec? Yeah. So I grew up in New Albany, New Albany, Mississippi. Uh, so growing up there, um, you know the the summer gig that we would do is is be quote unquote park boys. So um, <laughs> spent. I don't know, four summers working for the sportsplex there when I was in late middle school into high school. When, when did they build their, didn't they build a new build field? Was that were you, you at the old field, I guess? Yeah. So the sportsplex there um, it was established in 1990 out there. And um, they have since. How'd they pay for that? They actually have a, I think it's a 2%. You can't talk about that. Hold on a second. Yeah, I think it's a 2% tax and, you know, uh, recreation not, not tourism. Ten? No, not 10. Oh, okay. it, was, it was 2%. Gotcha. So, yeah, Mayor, uh, oh, I think Walter Johnson kind of spearheaded that one over in New Albany and, uh, you know, developed it on some old farmland. All right. So you, I just, so you, you, mm-hmm. you worked on the, the newer fields, I guess, or that's the sportsplex. Yeah. So it, it, it just morphed over time. Yeah. I've so. played, I've played there before yeah. when I was younger. But yeah. I don't, yeah, so it's, they, it's not. It's, they're really nice fields. Yeah, you, know, they, you wouldn't think New Albany would have fields like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they've done a good job, at, uh, kind of maintaining those and developing those out over the year, and, and they've since expanded across uh, Highway 78 as well. So I grew up uh, doing all that stuff, uh, dragging fields, chalking lines, scooping up dead armadillos off parking lots, cleaning <laughs> bathrooms, um, all all that fun stuff, and. Um, I've really enjoyed the work. I, you know, of course, like being outside and 
to me, it, I guess it kind of clicked when I was a junior. This is a really, you know, outside of just getting a paycheck and helping pay for your gas during the summer, it, it's a it's an interesting opportunity to uh, create a, a a conduit to bring the community together. So you you take a step back and you look at these fields that you're preparing. Why are you doing this, and who participates? So you. Uh, span the socioeconomic spectrum with folks who uh, enjoy your uh, facilities and in your offering uh, a real great opportunity for families to come together, make memories together, make new friends, um, folks who kids may not otherwise run into. So maybe from a different school and uh, create relationships on that. When that happens, parents meet other parents who they may not have come into contact otherwise. Um, on the sports side of things and then the spaces that you're able to provide for for parks and just the physical and, and mental uh, benefits for that and, and the impact that makes for the community broadly i mean it, it, you enhance the quality of life which what's better than that enhancing quality of life and, and uh, so that was kind of my interest went to erskine college in due west south carolina uh, if you end up at Erskine, you're either lost or you meant to go there. It, it is pretty much in the middle of nowhere. Ben actually has a connection to Erskine. Strange which, enough, yeah. My my brother in law went to went to college there as well, and uh, I had a sister that went and, and visited there to to think about going there. And he is right. It is. We, I felt like we were just driving through like a national park, and then we just stumbled <laughs> upon a college. Like it was like, what what is going on That's out right. here? Um, but yeah, it's a, it's definitely a, a, an interesting place. It's special place. I mean, it's beautiful out there. Definitely a beautiful part of the country. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and that's where you met your wife, correct? That's correct. That, that's right. So, uh, my wife Megan is originally from Central Florida, and we from the Lakeland, Florida area. She grew up in Bartow, and that's where we met. And uh, I did a sports management degree there. It's a liberal arts college, so pretty broad. I knew I wanted to zero in on community recreation, so I came back and, and did a park and rec management master's program at Ole Miss and finished there December of 13. Finished my exam on a Friday, and on that next Monday, I started my full-time job at the Oxford Park Commission. So I was there for eight years. Five of those were uh, youth and adult athletic administrator, and the last three year was program director. And then I ended up in Hernando. Well, you know, I feel like we've, um, you know, it's, it's really been something where you had to come in and, and learn really quickly. There's a huge learning curve because it's a totally different department. Um, there's, there's all these new facilities, there's all these challenges that, you know, I think sometimes people in the community may, may recognize, but, um, it definitely takes a, a, a pretty steep learning curve, I think from the, from the get go, but, um, you definitely took it in stride and, 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 uh, usually one of the first people I see him, him and Austin Cardozi are like the two people I always see at work early. Yeah, they say, they right. seem to get there pretty early every morning. So. Well, I, th I think it's no secret that our park program, maybe people were frustrated with it over the years and. It, but we decided to make a change when we came into office and um, you've been very very good to work with and, and i think you made some positive changes i don't think we're where we want to be uh, but we're i think we're certain he heading in the right directions well that's one that and i think and i think folks have it's it's one of those it's a double-edged sword a little bit with with uh with this position because people do have you know, pretty high expectations sometimes for their for their programs, which is a good thing mm -hmm. because they want mm -hmm. they want to have great programs. They want their kids to be involved and they want their kids to get better and all the things. But it's tough sometimes because it's having the resources and the and uh, you know doing everything to run an, a, an efficient and effective department can be challenging if you know the resources aren't necessarily there or whatever it can be and the, well, that's that's up to the board though yeah. we have, you know well, I, th I think frankly we're, we're so close to snowden grove and, and oxford that we get judged and compared to those and those are probably two of the nicest uh, facilities <clears throat> by the southeast uh, yeah and so we're always kind of judged of what we do to to snowden grove and oxford and yeah um we're, we're, we got some ideas we're, we're certainly moving in the right direction i think the uh, i will tell you jared you know i coach soccer this year and i think michael did a great job mm -hmm. With uh, running that and the fields look great, uh, we didn't have very difficult with the rain we had yeah. this year, but we uh, were able to get through the season. And I just want to let you know he did a great job. Now we're in baseball, and so far baseball is going well. So I think Brittany's got that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, programming's going great. Really, 
you know, I've thrown a lot of ideas out to our programming staff, Michael, Brittany, and Dolly, and, and they've taken them all and, and run with it. So that's all all you can ask for. Well, I don't think we talked about the basketball that we're doing oh, at the yeah. Gatorade Fieldhouse. Right. I mean, I think that thing's really doing well, I think. Yeah, yeah, that was a great opportunity to partner with uh, courtroom basketball at the Gatorade Fieldhouse. We had over 500 uh, participants this past winter, which was up 117 from the season prior. And some of that was we opened up the age group a little bit. We started at seven rather than eight, which tapped into ages that otherwise we didn't do before. But um, the space there really provided a great opportunity to house everything in one location, practices and games. And that was that was a big deal. Um, you let Ben's us. in charge of the parking program there. Do you know that? <laughs> we had a couple of hiccups, but, I, you know, is. A little growing pain there, but I think just so you know, he's he's on the Chick Fil A committee, the parking p- okay. uh, committee at Gatorade Fieldhouse. He's okay. he's not getting the job. I create, I create, I create uh, how all these committees get created magically <laughs> without me knowing, and me getting put in charge of them is something I so, haven't figured out yet. Yeah. So, so one other program I forgot to mention, it, it actually is going to happen at the Gatorade Fieldhouse as well as a recreation instructional volleyball program. Okay, yeah, volleyball is huge in this area. Hernando is That's very right. good at volleyball. So. That's right. So we've partnered up with Relentless Volleyball Academy out at the Gatorade Fieldhouse and um, looking registration for that goes for another week or so. And uh, that program will take place in May and June. So it's going to be a, a, a good um, foundational offering. And now it's not a team sport. It's going to be focused on individual skills and, and there will be some scrimmages along the way but it's not your traditional sign up get a shirt play on this one team practice with this one team it's it's more broad than that i'm glad you reminded me of that because i was supposed to sign up at least one of my kids for that program and i have not the done volleyball so. I have not done so yet so i just i will put a reminder in my I mean, phone volleyball's big that's a, that's another big growing sport it is it's know. it's a big one and we've got multiple you know there's multiple com, uh, competitive teams uh that are in the area and um you know it's it's been something that i think that South Haven's had uh, some teams up there, you know, at the, at the South Haven Arena playing before. And so to have this uh, facility down here and to be able to use it for multiple, you know, sports and have the city, you know, operating with the field house so well um, is definitely a definitely a, a good, uh, you know, a good feather in, in your cap here, mm-hmm. you know, to, to have a facility like that that is a, is a private facility, but we're able to partner with them. Mm-hmm. Well, Jared, is there anything we didn't ask you you want to talk about? Any, any uh, visions or things you want in the future that we're going to do you've been very gracious with your time so yeah no i i think you'll hit on pretty much all of it as far as visions for the future you know uh, always looking down the road you know i think it's important to keep your eye 20 25 years down the road realizing that what we're doing today will be for hopefully our kids and their kids um we want to keep people here in hernando enjoying living in hernando and a big part of that is enhancing quality of life through through parks and recreation opportunities. So uh, the, the little things that we do today uh, make a big impact on, on what it's going to be 20 years, 25 years from now. We've got a lot of stuff going on. I'd encourage all your listeners to to uh, visit our website, cityhernando.org, under Parks and Recreation tab. There's an opportunity to sign up for the newsletter there on our homepage if you don't currently get that. we try to send that out the first week of every month after the board meeting sure and uh dolly breakin's done a, a really good job getting that out there and um also uh our facebook and instagram is active dolly does a good job on that as well so our handle on both of those is at hernando.parks and staffing wise are y'all fully staffed do y'all need some people or we have one opening in the maintenance department right now so if you know anybody, if you yourself are interested or know anybody interested, we um, uh, start that at $15 an hour, and um, information is on the city's website on that. And, and we contract with a, with, a, with a vendor now to do uh, m- most, most, of yeah. the, most of the grass cutting and stuff. That's right. So we, uh, we contract the parks, cutting, uh, weed eating, that, that type of grass maintenance, and we do our athletic maintenance uh, for, for grass in-house. Yeah, y'all spray and stuff themselves. Uh, we we cut we don't yeah, okay. we, we contract out spraying and fertilizing yeah well it's definitely been a pleasure having you in here and uh, and 
enjoying the uh, boardroom podcast here with me and Chad. It's uh, it's great to have you in here. Uh, appreciate all the hard work you and your and your guys and gals put in there at Parks and Recreation. Appreciate you joining with us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Anytime. Well, happy to do it. And don't forget, folks, the uh, the Back to the 90s Bash is coming up Saturday, May 6th. Tickets are on sale. That's at the National Guard Armory there on McCracken. That is a fundraiser for Friends of Hernando Sports and the, uh, the foundation that helps support uh, some of the parks here in, in Hernando. So uh, definitely want to check that out. And, uh, get- I, and I think we still have some, some sponsoring opportunities for some of the fields mm-hmm. uh, in baseball, I think, don't we? I, I believe there's one field left, uh, field two, that doesn't have a sponsor. All right, let's fill it up, folks. Get yeah. those, get that sponsorship in, and we definitely appreciate everybody that is, that's a sponsor out there. It helps us, uh, you know, get get things, uh, raise the expectations a little bit more, raise the standard a little bit more. So, Jared, thank you again for joining us. Uh, appreciate you very much. All right, Chad, I guess that's it for this week. I guess so. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another episode. We'll see y'all in a couple of weeks. May may even tell y'all about our. A uh, little excursion to uh, Washington, D.C. that we've got coming yeah, up. That's right. So I may have to tell you all more about that uh, next time here on the Boardroom Podcast. Thank you for joining us for an episode of the Boardroom Podcast, presented by People for a Better DeSoto County. I hope we were able to inform you and give you some additional insight on how your local government works. Stay engaged. Local government is the closest to the people. I don't